He goes in. He is our champion because he wins at Calvary. And it wasn't just a squeak by victory. It wasn't a last-second field goal that cinches the victory where it looks like, oh, he's going to lose. No, it was a decisive victory that is seen when he rises up out of the grave on the third day and the army of Satan and his demons, they don't know what to do. They can't stand a chance because they just took their best shot and they lost. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. If you have your Bibles this morning, Isaiah chapter 9. And y'all are so smart. You knew that we were going to be here this week. And you're so smart to know that we're going to be there for the next two weeks as well, because the question to who is this coming Messiah we see in Isaiah chapter 9 has four answers. And this morning, we're going to look at the answer, who is this coming Messiah? He is mighty God. Let's remind ourselves where we are in the story of Isaiah. We're beginning in verse 2 and just reading down to verse 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us is a child born, to us is a son given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And here are four answers. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This morning we are going to look at mighty God and there are three things that we discover, three truths that we discover in that answer. And the first one I need you to write down, and I'm sorry it's not on the screen this morning, uh, doing a lot with uh, technology today, but the answer is the coming Messiah is mighty God. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's pretty obvious, Gary. It's in the title. <laughs> he shall be called Mighty God. The coming Messiah is Mighty God. But that's important to know because there is no end to the debate concerning the deity of Jesus Christ. Most people will agree that he was human. Most people will agree there was a historical figure named Jesus Christ who was born in Nazareth, who was raised in Bethlehem and traveled in and around Israel around the time that the calendars went from B.C. to A.D. Most people will give you that. They won't argue the humanity, but they will argue the deity. But here we are told that the baby, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is coming, 
The one who is going to be wrapped in rags, the one who is going to be laying in a barn stall, the one who is going to be as helpless as a little baby is indeed the eternal, all-powerful God. Now, if we really want to have just a moment of honesty, we have to admit that that idea doesn't make sense to us as humans. I mean, it, it, it really don't. And, and the same idea was, was true for the people Isaiah was writing to. It was a foreign concept for them to think that God would come down and live among them. See, God to them was to be feared. And so they did not approach God. Remember, the temple and everything about the temple and the way it was designed was you didn't just casually walk into God's presence. There were sacrifices. There were uh, uh, prayers that need to be offered. You could only go so far into the temple if you were a female. You could only go so far if you were a male. You could go a little bit farther if you were a priest, but you could only go so far if you were a high priest and only into God's presence in the Holy of Holies one time a year. It was very clear. They said, God is to be feared. God is not going to come down and take on human form. Yet this is exactly what Isaiah tells us. This is exactly what the coming Messiah will do. He will be God in the flesh. And when you read the entire book of Isaiah, you see it becomes clear that the Messiah he speaks, he speaks about and he prophesies about is God himself. One of the ways you see it is the words that he uses. In this verse, he uses the word El for the coming Messiah. And Isaiah only uses that in his writing for God. He is making it abundantly clear that the coming Messiah is going to be God Himself. There, 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 is, there are plenty of stories of God's coming down. Right? You can go to Greek mythology, you can go to all types of mythology. You, you, you can see this idea of God coming down, but when the God comes down, it is usually to trifle and play with the people. It is usually to, to demonstrate that they are God and the people are just basically gnats that they can swat away at any time that they want. Only Christianity preaches that God came down not to say that I am burdened by my people, but God came down to save His people. And Isaiah makes it clear that this is going to happen. And the way that they will be delivered, the way that they are going to be freed from the slavery of sin is through God Himself taking on human flesh. And this is who the coming Messiah is going to be. And then when you turn into the New Testament, you see Jesus coming and He states, He says, I am He, I am God, the I am statements in John. He was clear. He is saying, I am the one that Isaiah spoke about. I am the one who you have been looking for. I am the mighty God who has stepped out of heaven to come and take on human flesh and walk on this earth. And we see the might of Jesus when He is walking on this earth. His might to heal, His might to, to calm the storms. He demonstrates that He has all the power that we read about God in the Old Testament. 
God in the Old Testament healed, Jesus in the New Testament heals. God in the Old Testament controlled weather, Jesus in the New Testament controls weather. God in the Old Testament speaks with authority, Jesus in the New Testament speaks with authority. You can go and look at the parallels and it leaves no doubt that when Isaiah says the Messiah will be mighty God, that the mighty God is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. That is who the coming Messiah is going to be. But we also learn that the coming Messiah is mighty over all things. The, the coming Messiah is mighty over all things. As Isaiah writes, he says that the same authority that God exhibits from the very beginning, you will see in the coming Messiah. Again, he rules over creation. Jesus brings creation into being. Jesus commands the waves to be still. How many people does he heal of sickness? The lepers, the lame, those who cannot walk, the woman who is having a disease for years that she cannot get cured. Over and over and over, we see that Jesus is mighty over all things, including mighty over his enemies. We read in Psalm 27 this morning that talked about God's might over his enemies as David was saying, deliver me from your enemies because you are strong enough to do that. Right as Isaiah the prophet writes, he tells the people that a coming Assyrian army is coming to, to defeat them. But Isaiah says, hey look, there's a day that's coming when God will come back and God will rise up and he will defeat Assyria and he will bring you back into the land. It's not by their might, it's going to be by God's might. I mean, if Israel's king is not strong enough to protect them from their enemies, would another king have the strength to defeat them once they are in captivity? The answer is no. And Jesus displays the same might in the New Testament. Look through the New Testament of all the times when the enemies swarmed around Jesus. From the very beginning, right? From the very beginning when he was born, and Herod wants to know, where is this king of the Jews? Not so that I can worship, but so that I can, so that I can kill him. Yet Jesus defeats his enemies. His teaching ministry, all those questions, not to learn, but to prove that he is not God. They keep trying to trip him up, and they keep questioning his authority. And Jesus teaches with authority and demonstrates to them that He is mighty over them. And the greatest display of where He defeats His enemies is at the resurrection, when He defeats the enemy of death. God is mighty over His enemies, which means that God is mighty over evil. And it means that Jesus is mighty over evil as well which tells us that when God said in Genesis 3 that one was coming, right after the fall, Satan comes into the garden, he tempts Eve, she listens, she takes a bite of the fruit, she goes and gives it to Adam, and Adam takes a bite of the fruit, and in that moment perfection collapses, and it, it looks like Satan has won. He has turned everything that was good, everything that God had said was very good, and he has corrupted it now, and it's tainted with sin, and it looks like Satan has won. And, and God says in Genesis, no, 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 you've not won. 
Because I'm mighty over evil and there's going to be one who is going to come that's going to rise up, who is going to crush you. And Jesus comes and he crushes Satan in his resurrection. He crushes Satan by coming up from the grave on that third day. You see, Jesus is mighty over all. He is mighty over all things. There is nothing that Jesus is not mightier than. There is not one thing. You know, I, have, I keep saying this because I, I think we need to keep reminding ourselves. It looks right, like right now that COVID is the mightiest thing in the world. And as much as it stresses uh, or taxes our theology to understand why it is here and, and what's happening, we need to understand that Jesus is mightier than COVID. He is mightier over all. And one day, right, the first time He came, and we talked about this last week, the Advent originally was to talk about His second coming, and, and then it kind of morphed into we look at His first coming. His first coming, we don't really see in that babe in the manger the glory and the power of the Messiah. He looks like a baby. We see His power demonstrated through His ministry, but there is coming a second Advent when Jesus will return. And you better believe that when He returns, He will come back in all His power and all His glory. Because He's going to come back as King of kings and Lords of lords. And what the earth did not see the first time, what the people could not see in the baby in the manger, Almighty, powerful God, believe me when I say that when He comes back the next time, the world is not going to doubt who is coming back. Because this could be audible, it's going to be visible, and He is going to come in all His power and glory, and the world will stand up and take notice, hey, this Jesus person was God in the flesh. He was mighty God, and He is mighty over all things. But then finally this morning, the coming Messiah is mighty enough to save. The coming Messiah is mighty enough to save. The word mighty there depicts a champion. Somebody who is strong. Somebody who goes into battle and comes out victorious. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded that, that there is a world strongman competition. Has anybody ever seen the world strongman competition? It's just, it's, it's unbelievable, first of all, the size of these people. The current U.S. world strongman, he is 6'8 and weighs in at 440 pounds. I mean, and, and he can do amazing things, like pick up a keg and toss it backwards over his head, 15 feet over a bar. You, you watch some of the events and you go, I, and, and I hope he's not listening because he could probably beat me up. <laughs> probably. I might be able to run faster. You watch some of the events and you think, I don't know where that skill would be particularly beneficial. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really don't. I, I you know, they'll chain them to a Mack truck and, and pull a Mack truck. And it's like, that's really cool. I, I just, I, I don't know when I'm going to need you to do that. <laughs> right? I mean, there, there's a lot of power there. But do they have a purpose? You see, when the Messiah came as mighty God, He came with power and with a purpose. And we see the purpose in the fact that He is mighty enough to save. 
right? Jesus as champion, he takes the field of battle for us. He is our champion. And he goes and he engages with the forces of sin, and he engages with the sin, with the forces of sin at the battlefield of Calvary. And you know what? He won. He won. He goes in. He is our champion because he wins at Calvary. And it wasn't just a squeak by victory. It wasn't a last-second field goal that cinches the victory where it looks like, oh, he's going to lose. No, it was a decisive victory that is seen when he rises up out of the grave on the third day and the army of Satan and his demons, they don't know what to do. They can't stand a chance because they just took their best shot and they lost. And Jesus, as our mighty Savior, is our champion and He can save us. This is how Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. I like that last part where it says that Jesus goes to the cross, He disarmed the rulers, He disarmed the authorities. And when He's talking about that, it's, it's, it's not talking about the, the earthly rulers. It's, it's not talking about those who were ruling Jerusalem at the time. It, it's, it's, it's not talking about the, the Jews that came against Him. It is talking about spiritual authorities and spiritual powers. And it says, Paul writes, He disarmed them so great that it put them to shame in public. Like there's no reason for them to show their faces ever again because they lost so bad. That's who Jesus is. He is our mighty champion who is enough, strong enough to save us from our sins. And that was his purpose. He has power and purpose. Because he says at the very beginning, right, that he has come to seek and to save those who are lost. He comes to seek and save those who are lost. And when you think about that, and you think about our call to go out and to preach the gospel, it's easy to find those who are lost, right? You can find the lost pretty easily. We can, but you know what we can't do? We don't have the power to save them. It is only Jesus Christ who has that power. 
And the greatest display of His might, the greatest display of Him being mighty God, of God in the flesh, is the fact that He and He alone has the power to save. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.